Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello. And welcome to Really with Tom and Dave. Uh, that's all I'm saying. That's, that's it? All I'm gonna say. That's all we get? You got to carry the rest of it. That's all we get after this? This is a momentous episode, Dave. Oh, I know. I wish I was up for, up for it. Um, but, you, know. <laughs> you better get your shit together, man. We got a lot to review. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a I big, know, important oh, deal. Like, oh, and I had, I had I, you know, I'm just going to be up front with you. Uh, I know one of our other podcasts, I had food poisoning. Uh, this time I just had uh, terrible insomnia last night. And then I had to get up this morning and do a, a, a voice a narration for a, a TV show. Um, so if every once in a while I do this, okay, it's because of, it's this lack of sleep. So just bear with. Are me. you sure it isn't the really sexy new lighting that you've got that is just sort of Could be, easing yeah. you kind of into all of this? Is it just sort of like mellowing you out, giving you that kind I'm of easy vibes? Look at that. Is that is that sexy? Look at that glow. I mean, you, yep. you, yeah, it's just like an easy, it's like soft, well, you know, well, it's, I'm using a new, um, the light that we got for our road trip, our, our most recent road trip. Um, what a I fucking mean, road trip, dude. Yes. I mean, it was pretty, as amazing. road trips go, this was a pretty historic road trip to, um, uh, the soul foundation conference and, you know, first annual inaugural uh symposium mm. if you will yeah a scientific symposium an academic scientific, scientific and this was academic academic and policy symposium listen on the on the subject on the subject of uap listen i i need to hand it to our stampede partners because they got us into they were, this thing. Yes. i don't know what my ass was had any business doing there you i mean i'll i'll give you a waiver but uh i was swimming in deep waters with um luminaries well i remember because i had talked to like friends of mine here in new york uh who are uh in uh leslie kane's circle who i met uh, through leslie who are great people like jay king who was there and jordan flowers who was also there and kelly um from uh, uap rabbit hole 
uh, just, I remember talking to, to uh, Jay and uh, Jordan saying, oh, I really want to go to this, uh, this Stanford thing. And they very politely said, oh, well, it's very limited. Uh, it's invite only. I, I, you know, it's, there, aren't, there aren't many people going. It's really hard to get. You're not going to get in. <laughs> you're, you, oh, Dave. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So when Stampede actually got, us, got, uh, got the three of us in, you, me, and uh, what's her name? Chrissy, right? Chrissy. Absolutely. Yeah. That yeah. was the critical, um, critical piece that needed to. Uh, yeah, because otherwise, yeah, we wouldn't get we'd anything. Stand around <laughs> bumping into each other, just you know, um, getting yeah, exactly, yes. getting nothing done. Yeah, Chrissy, Chrissy made it productive. Yes, this was a. Uh, let's be clear on what it wasn't. This was not mm. a UFO convention. No, no, by um, any stretch th- of the imagination. No, there were no, there were there was no one selling crystals uh, anywhere to be seen. Uh, maybe some people there do sell crystals in, you know, at other times in their lives. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong. Crystals are beautiful. <laughs> well, um, yeah, but you don't. But uh, it's hard sometimes to take subject matter uh, in in the seriousness, serious tone you need to take it in when, you know, they're yeah. hustling keychains at you and every yeah. self-published book of uh, conspiracy that you can shake a stick at and uh, whatnot, yeah. which has frankly been my issue sort of. You know, getting into this is that kind of weird sort of culture collision where, you know, you don't know what is what what is real. Who am I supposed to be taking seriously here? Like what is yeah. uh, and, and there would be this mix. And you can understand this was the these were the forums that were available to people and have been and and no, you know, but it does yeah. create the sort of dissonance. And there is a little bit of a. A bit of a circus atmosphere, yes. a bit of a uh, yeah, a bit of a, a, a too much of a um, too broad of a let's say too large of a tent. It's it's everything ways. exactly. It's the kitchen yeah. sink. It's it's every theory ever. And this was uh, quite the opposite. Starting with the setting, which was um, Stanford, the campus of Stanford, um, in mm, the a prominent university, a fine fine university. Uh, mm. In their engineering quad, uh, yeah. beautiful, you know, I'm not sure what the architecture would be, except it's super lovely. Yeah, and, and it's the place that your your son has chosen to deplete your savings. And my, I am pouring, pouring my hard-earned screenwriting dollars into Stanford as we speak. But I, at least I felt kind of like I could like show you guys around because we're familiar with mm-hmm. the, with the area and, and um, it was, it was sort of silly that Luca wasn't actually there because he was flying to visit uh, his young lady who was a semester mm-hmm. abroad in Madrid. Tough life for him yeah. um, back and forth, but uh, he wasn't there, but we were there. And the gathering was, um, I-, I don't know what to call it. It was like the UAP Academy Awards, the ultimate TED, yeah. TED talk. I mean, what... Just describe well, was, the to scene. Me, it was, to me, it was like the to me it was like uh, the the UAP equivalent of the uh, Copenhagen uh, symposium back in was in the twenties when you know when Einstein. And, oh right, uh, right, right, and uh, all those folks uh, got folks. together to yeah all you know and you know there's the photos of them all sitting in front of a you know building in in Copenhagen uh, to you know discussing uh, astrophysics and quantum physics and 
and you know trying to figure out uh how the universe worked and so this is kind of the uap version of that where, you, where that place was the, the room was just filled with i think the term is luminaries I've, I've, um, i'll and throw legends. it around liberally yes uh, you could see yeah. you know jacques valet sitting next to hal Putoff, sitting next to whitley streber sitting next to gary nolan sitting next to chris mellon you know and you know yeah um the 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 little the speeches that were lined up over the days and we're gonna uh, this is more than one episode of recap. We'll have to do less over mm-hmm. to because there's just so much to talk about each day. But um, the lineup was incredible and so interesting and all, you know, academics, PhDs covering everything from anthropology, religion to science to, you know, in-depth uh, atomic studies of uh, exotic materials to how do we handle yeah. disclosure? I mean, it was yeah, the physics, the physics of the of the observed phenomena. Yeah. Um, oh my God. Yeah. A great lecture on on the ener- the amounts of energy that are necessary to explain things that have been observed. Yes, that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. We'll get and we we'll, we should get to that. Mm-hmm. We should like we can even walk through like our impressions. I got my I got my book of notes. I took lots of notes. I know you took notes. Yeah. And Chr- I know Chrissy took notes, but you know uh, I didn't take notes. So we took uh, notes. Chrissy, jump in if, if, we, if, we, if we miss anything. But it was also like um, intimidating. Like, I, I mean, it's this sort of no. mingling. Sorry, you have a book to show? No, I was just going to say, I've got the, I've got the, I've got our, uh, the schedule of speakers yeah, here. If we miss anything, but this is yeah. for those out, out in the audience interested in what the, what the vibe and feeling was. I have seen some reports of folks that were there and, and they have, they have captured some of the kind of cool headlines. There were some, I mean, the whole weekend was honestly, I'm just excited to decompress with you, like just go through it because I've been sort of trying to describe it and it's a little hard to, I mean, it was certainly like a post disclosure conference. I mean, this was not, Hey, look at this. Someone took a picture of this orb. Do we think UFOs are real? That was not, this was all of that is, is, is assumed at this point. All of it is, uh, is taken as as settled fact completely settled fact this was really preparing society uh that's what yes. it felt like yeah it's also important that at the beginning of each day of the of the symposium they had to remind people there to not reveal anything classified yeah well so that because there were a lot there were people a lot of people in the room who had classified information who had had clearances there was a done program there was an i i felt like you just didn't know who was in the room i mean it was there was there was definitely yeah. some people podcast people people like there was some sort yeah. of people in the uap conversation but then there was just most of the folks it wasn't clear i i had an interaction which was kind of funny where um in the restroom, <laughs> some guy sort of said, are you a Hollywood, you write Hollywood stuff? Or you thought I'd written something that didn't turn out to be me. Um, mm-hmm. But I was like, yeah, I write. And, and of course, with everybody, I was like, what are you, uh, what are you doing here? Um, what's because everybody we met had an interesting story or 10, um, even mm-hmm. if they weren't some of the sort of big wigs of the whole conference there was lots of interesting stories in the audience and backgrounds and people. And so he was like, Oh, uh, and he got sort of real nervous and or just, ah, yeah, some government, uh, work, uh, some F- FBI and all that. And I went, Oh, okay. So I perked up and I was like, did you, I, did you have an experience? Did you, are you an experiencer? Or are you just curious? What is like, 
Uh, yeah, yeah, a little, little of both. Yeah, and I, and and me, because I'm mm-hmm. just always hustling. Dave, uh, was like, well, do you want to, yeah. do you want to talk about them on our podcast? I didn't know what what it was, but it sounded, he sounded like he didn't want to talk about it, which made it interesting to me. At which point he completely ran. He said, oh no, 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 I don't took no. I'm, I'm definitely a background guy. And he sort of ran off, and I was like, huh? There's, mm-hmm. there's many secrets in this, in this room. Um. And uh, I can't say I necessarily got to any of them, but um, yeah. it was that kind of space. First of all, it was like in a fairly moderately sized hall because. Well, I think it was only there were 300 invited guests, I think was the total. If that, if it was that many, it, yeah. it honestly was not a big room, which again, I felt honored and happy and privileged and and thank you to Gary Nolan and Peter Scafish and whoever was organizing the whole thing it was it was uh, yeah. a very very I felt really uh just yeah. privileged to just hear all this uh yeah I guess what you say for people uh, Gary Nolan is a uh, molecular biologist at Stanford he has this was held at the uh, Gary Nolan laboratories I guess Right, uh, uh, where, you know where, it's, where he, where he, yeah, was, he's a molecular biologist there, and and I think this yeah. was done under the we aus- in his wing I guess, auspices of Stanford and their awareness of it, and he has yeah. certainly along with Peter Scafish, who is a sociologist, uh, anthropologist, sociologist. What anthropologist, does it sociologist? What's it say on the? What's his exact title? Uh, Director of Research, Cell Foundation, formerly College of France, uh, UC Berkeley, McGill University. Well, that, that's where he went. But uh, yeah, but it doesn't say what. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think he, in his introduction, he said he was a, uh, yes, a soci- sociologist, anthropologist, um, professorial type. Oh, very. I it's mean, more, of, yeah, but more, but more from the humanities side of it than the hard, than the, uh, you know, than what people will call the hard sciences. He gave a very, uh, how would we describe, very academic uh, mm-hmm. talk um, on uh, the, uh, and I think that was, that was day one as well. Um, so our, like, so initially as we got there, it was like, oh, this is going to be, for me, I was like, this is going to be an intimidating mingle. And I was just going yeah. to, I was just going to push you ahead because I was sure there would be enough kids uh, news radio, uh, Dave Foley comedy fans in the in the room that uh, and there were there there were a few just like just enough to keep me from from crying. There were there just, were there were plenty. Yeah. You know, you got some good. Oh, I loved it. But on day two, Ryan Graves was like, "Come right up to you." That was that was great. Yes. So we hope to have Ryan on the show yeah. soon because he's he was yes, he's amongst yeah one of the and he was again like like us just there in the audience and. Uh, uh, did he? T- did he talk? No, no. He yeah, like yeah, Alex I Dietrich was there again. It was just this. Alex Dietrich was there. Who was who was uh, the wing? Uh, David Fravor's wingman on the uh, Tic Tac event. Yeah. Uh, I keep forgetting. I keep trying to remind myself that people um, might be might be listening to this. Um, oh, I think people and some more people. to the point who, who might not be not you know know all of might not have the uh, a program with the uh, the the, ro- the UFO roster. But let me just say, if someone is listening to this and they haven't subscribed to Really with Tom and Dave, oh, yeah, they should do that. Then you're cheating. And you subscribe and like and like and like and even write a little review. Hey, subscribe and um, dislike. I don't care. Yeah, I don't, you know, thumbs down me if you need to. Yeah, but please yeah. hit the subscribe button for Really 
with Tom and Dave on our YouTube channel because we yeah. we love that and we appreciate it. And then you could click right in and yeah. get any one of our shows. You don't have to search and do all that bullshit. You can just uh, yeah. get all our and, good and stuff. subscribe to our our um, what's it, the Instagram page. The and we also have, and I believe we have a TikTok uh, page, but I'm I, I'm I, uh, I I I don't know how that works. Well done. Okay, so it was it was this incredible situation as as Dave has a little cider or whatever mm. he's sipping there. A little, a little non-alcoholic beer. Okay, good. I'm having my uh, mug o Java, which will keep me up to mm-hmm. three a.m. because this is how much yeah. I care about our podcast. I had all well, I had four shots of espresso before before coming on. Jesus. Well, you'll okay. Yeah. So we'll have a couple pee breaks. Gets mm. your system going. Right. Um. And, uh, and yes, as far as my, my scarf, I'm not trying to be too stylish here. It is, as I was telling Dave, it's about 700 degrees colder in my office than any other place in my house. Well, people, if there's anything people know about, uh, Hollywood, it's how brutal the winters are. (laughs) Uh, Listen, I don't listen. All right, Mr. (laughs) Canada. Uh, there is no mock, if you will, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, as a Canadian, I have never been colder than I was when I first moved my to LA. My old bones. And, and yeah, the something is happening to my. Maybe I have osteoporosis. Yeah. I don't know what I have, but I'm I'm cold. No, when, cold. when the the cold in Los Angeles goes straight into your bones. Yeah, it's it it's deceptive. I am an it's East a, Coaster. Yeah. I had uh, wintry blood for all my life, yeah. and uh, something's gone on in the past several no, years. But yeah. Cold in my office. It's fucking cold, and if I yeah. turn on the heat, it makes that the house lava. You know, lava yeah. temperature. And uh, anyway, so uh, that's what's going on. You here. know, what you might want to look into something called a space heater. I'm sure I would set myself on fire, or something <laughs> would happen that would not be good. But um, mm-hmm. thank you for the suggestion. But I, I digress, right. actually, because right. we. So we're 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 sitting here. We're the first. The first speaker, Gary Nolan and Peter Scafish. Also worth mentioning that David Grush is the sort of third, of the founding, third yeah. founding member of the Soul Foundation, yes. um, which is very interesting. And for those who, he is, of course, the uh, the former intelligence officer and uh, 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 Air Force. Uh, what was he in the Air Force? He was an intelligence officer, officer Air Force. in the Air an Force. Intelligence officer of the Air Force. He was a major and in the military. Uh, he's He's, he's in the uh, National Geospatial um, Organization, yeah, I believe. I think so. Right? Uh, and was then tapped to join the UAP Task Force by Jay Stratton, uh, who set up the UAP Task Force. Uh, and uh, and uh, and then after he found out that there were uh, uh, craft retrieval programs and reverse engineering programs, he became a whistleblower and testified before Congress, along with Ryan Graves, uh, who we talked about earlier, and uh, David Fravor, who was the the, the uh, commander of the uh, Black Aces uh, squadron. Sounds cool. Off of the Nimitz, and was the man who uh, decided he would chase the Tic Tac UFO. And uh, and David Grush just testified before Joe Rogan. So there's also yes. that to talk about yes. as well. A lot which, to which, download here. Which will, which will probably get a lot more attract a lot more eyes than the actual congressional hearing. Yeah, it will. Because of Joe. He yeah. is a yeah. he's a chatty whistleblower, I gotta say. But we'll we'll get to we'll get to him. Mm-hmm. Um we uh we have that yeah, we have that to get into. Oh, and before we even get to the Salt Foundation, we interviewed Avi Loeb. And that 
Yes, probably the, the night before. I Thursday suspect night. it may air after we're doing this reacts, but it may have already aired. But what were your yeah? What were your impressions of uh, our Avi Love interview, other than the somewhat tight quarters in which we did it? Uh, yeah, well, we, yes, Avi was so nice. He allowed us to come into uh, into his ho- hotel room in Palo Alto, where we were all staying, uh, and in and and do do it uh, set up all of our all of our hastily uh arranged equipment yes. in a very small room hot on the run look hats off to you and chris it's not like you guys it's not like he was in it's not like he was like in a you know a, a you know a crappy hotel it's a nice hotel no, it's the no but, but it was fantastic but it was, yeah but, but it wasn't it was not uh voluminous i yes and i knew though i mean we had stayed there again because we're we're up there because of my son but uh it's i knew there mm-hmm. was going to be a little bit of tight quarters it's a lovely hotel with uh and i and i was right we were <laughs> sort of sitting yes. together on the bed. Uh, and he was anyway. very patient with us, and he gave us uh, over an hour of his time. Over. Uh, just and just over a an little hour. bit over. Yes. Thanks, he thanks offered an hour. He offered an hour and was <laughs> anticipating an hour. and uh, An hour, because he had other plans. One, yes. Um, one of us asked um, too many questions past that, but one of us had prepared a lot of questions and really wanted yes, to get them yes. out. So yes, yeah, yes. maybe that's on and, me. Uh, uh, and uh, To me, there's got to be 20 he, minutes of wiggle room. I don't huh? like what is this? We can't just I mean an hour to me is an hour twenty, right? In podcast language. Isn't that I don't know. No? I don't know. I don't really? Know. <laughs> no, I mean I know like I I get interviewed a lot in my in my yeah, job. Tell us. Tell us. So what's the and, real protocol? Because uh, I don't know if you know this, I'm I'm a television actor. Yeah. No, I think um, you're very famous. You know, and usually if someone says, you know, that we'll we'll get you out in an hour, you know, you kinda hope they will. Um, or you think, I think, well, I hope they have 20 minutes of really great questions. Yes. Well, I thought they were great questions, but in the wild and, were. and woolly they world were. of podcasting, Dave, I think, you know, it's the, it's a frontier land. There are no yes. rules. It's dangerous out well, there. Yeah. Yeah. You never know what kind of interviewer with no experience is going to just keep throwing questions at people. Um, <laughs> he handled it with, with good, with grace. Well, I will say, even though he was eager to get out of there, when you would ask a question, he would not give like a short, curt answer. No. He would give a lengthy answer. Oh, yeah. He would, he would go, he would go into detail. So it would be like, so the twenty minutes was not entirely you. I would say maybe 10, 10 minutes was you. <laughs> the other ten was his answers. I thought he wasn't. I jumped into AI at about the one oh eight mark, I think, and that was probably yeah. maybe problematic because uh, yeah. Although he has a cool, cool ass theory that at this article he was it was in his book it was in interstellar his uh very Which interesting sort of series of kind of kind of a conversation with the reader just about where this might go and why it's good mm-hmm. for us really and why he's excited about the future and and discovering uh life and all of that um through the exploration of rocks and meteors but he he also talked about the idea uh, I was talking about it with my brother the other day. I was trying to describe it, which is that if these UAP are in fact AI, mm-hmm. then maybe they're the sense of its presence, the increased sightings, all of that could could be due to the fact that there's a baby AI here on this planet that uh, maybe it's not interested in us so much as interested in... Uh, What's what's coming after this us? Burgeoning sentience that uh, we have we have wrought. I thought that yeah. was kind of wild. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So basically, the the uh, the alien uh, AI is coming here to talk to our our new young AI, our offspring, 
and basically sort of go, your parents are weird, man. Um, <laughs> it's like, these guys, let's talk privately. Yeah. Um, let's go listen to albums in your room. Yeah. So I, I found that, I don't know, so fascinating because I, we have talked about, you know, there was this, there was this activity around nuclear power. There was this activity around the time of the Manhattan Project, right? Things seemed to kick in to another yeah. gear. It seems like that's sort of happening again with the future rushing at us and artificial intelligence. And yeah. it seems like there's this, I don't know, manifested increase in activity almost. But um, yeah, everyone, I mean, that seems to be what the, you know, people in the military are keep saying uh, is that, that there is a, a marked uptick in uh, UFO activity or UAP activity uh, that it, uh, that whatever is going on does seem to be accelerating. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and this this conference was like nothing I've ever experienced. Um, we we had our great talk with Avi the next morning. We sort of gather and start going like, oh, that's that person. Oh, that's that person. Oh, that person. Um, yeah. Yeah. We uh, and Gary Nolan, Peter Scapish, they introduced the whole thing. And Avi Loeb was the first speaker. And we sort of got the sneak peek at his his chat, which um, – you know, he's in his own space, right? He's completely sort of doing a sort of separate group of experiments. You know, he wants to find proof of life, uh, proof of alien yes, technology. With, in, in, with his Galileo project, mm -hmm. which is his privately funded um, uh, project uh, to to create um, sort of a, a, a bank of instruments, an observatory, as it were, that can be uh, positioned in different locations to monitor the sky and get uh, high quality data. Uh, on uh, on UAP if they can if they can come across it yeah and so they're track they want to track these interstellar bodies as they either fly close enough to us or between sun and the earth uh, or if they enter the atmosphere and blow up track them track the explosion like they did in Papua New Guinea when they went and sort of dredge the sled through and and essentially you can capture the exploded particles of this meteorite. And then through that, analyze the the material in the hopes that it will reveal itself to be of some kind of technology, some kind of uh, sentient created man-made technology, litter. He's looking for space yeah. litter. He's looking for the Diet Coke cans thrown from, you know, a billion light years away landing on our planet, which I find really smart and interesting. Like, why not? I mean, yeah, I mean, to, I mean, and it's the, the resistance he keeps encountering, which is the strangest, like the fact that, that there's even that there's just resistance to even acknowledging that even if they're there are even if they are just rocks traveling through the galaxy, there's a resistance in the scientific community to even acknowledge that these objects came from they, that they're extrasolar. Mm hmm. You know they're fighting them on the data, saying, "Oh, well, you have no real proof that they're that they're uh, you know they come from outside of our of our solar system. That these are interstellar objects, and it seems like they just don't want to give an inch that would that would force them to address anything to do with the UAP story. No, no matter how weird and impossible the theory, as long as it doesn't correlate to UAP, the academic community will accept its premise. You know, yes. whatever like, they say about. Oumuamua, yeah. for example, the the comet that was streaking through that had a very strange shape, a very strange velocity, a very strange trajectory, all of the things that mm -hmm. Javi was pointing out. He was just pointing it out. You know, this is weird. Yeah. This could yeah. be X. He was saying, yeah, he said, well, like a good uh, one explanation for it could be that it is uh, a, a, a solar sail. Mm -hmm. 
because it seems to be behaving like a solar sail mm-hmm. in that it seems to be it's being pushed uh it's accelerating away from the sun as though it is being pushed by photons mm-hmm. uh and since solar sails are something we're currently uh experimenting with 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 building we've actually launched some as human beings he was saying well you know why wouldn't you know why you know if we assume that there is life out there and you know who knows how long ago this thing was launched then then the observations match what a solar sail would look like and the main the rest of his scientific of his peers basically were saying just inventing any possible other explanation i think that it was they were claiming it was just loosely uh, like uh incoherent dust particles yeah uh that it was a um, um nitrogen uh comet a comet um or or hydrogen comet then you know although as avi Loeb points out uh, neither of those things have ever been observed before. Yeah, everything is a one in a million, right? It's exist. just it can't yeah. be it can't be this topic. And yes. um, and you're saying even if they even if, and even if it was those things, there would be some sort of off gassing that you would be able to detect. Would be some sort of a tail. And Oumuamua had no tail. Um, no, I, it, it's very, and and again, what is wrong with asking the questions, investigating, and searching for it? He is open to being proved wrong, yeah. but he also doesn't understand why we can't ask the questions. Yeah, the well, even like a few years ago, he he said, "Well, if we're going to look for for looking for intelligent life in the universe, and if we're looking at exoplanets, we should be looking at exoplanets and studying their uh, atmosphere for pollution. We should be looking for industrial pollution." And he was, you know, and he was mocked and, and people said that, you know, said, no, then no one would fund that kind of research. Uh, you know, we can't look for, we can't look for industrial pollutants on other planets because that's just crazy talk. Of course. Whereas um, archaeology and, on earth is most of the time they're finding landfills, they're finding, you know, graves, they're finding the, you know, the, the remnants of everything, yeah. people's, the, the trash and we're learning about societies and histories and cultures through what they threw away or what they you know piled up um yeah so it makes perfect sense interstellar archaeology i'm down with that yeah i want to be an interstellar archaeologist yeah i mean like tutankhamun's tomb what is that but a garbage dump I mean, a really, really nice one. I mean, but I mean, it was just full of crap. Beautifully constructed. Well, it's, it's a lot of stuff. Yeah. He didn't know. It's sort of how Christina, my wife, packs. It's just everything, <laughs> everything yeah. possibly that could go into a suitcase. He's just like, I need the, I need the donkeys. Yeah. I I don't know what. I, know. I don't know where I'm going. It's like I don't know. Our daughter, my our, our daughter Alina, she packs like an oki, leaving you know, heading for California. Well, I need. I don't know. Yeah. They just pile up the wagons. It could be. I yeah. need. You know. I need footmen. That's why. Spears. That's why I'm, for for Christmas, I'm getting Alina a Conestoga wagon. Yeah, I think that's uh, fab- yeah. fabulous. Yeah, that's just so, so go she back can to get school. around town. Yeah. Good idea. Okay, good. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, yes. So, uh, Avi was great. Great to see him. Yes, he was, was great. Cool. Very generous he, with his time. He was followed by... I also love that he said we have to re- we have to regard AI because we were talking about whether AI is going to you know is terrifying. Uh, where he where he said that we need to treat AI as as though it were our child. I like that. Yeah, you know, which you know, like and as you know, as Crosby, Stills, and Nash taught us, treat you know, teach your children well. Well, um, he made the point right. Like you you just don't yeah. teach it the bad shit or don't let it wander in bad neighborhoods by itself. Um, yeah, I think, and don't make it hate you and. Don't, do what don't you can to try to make it not hate you. Yes, I think that's yeah. important. Um, yeah, like those twins that, that killed their parents, the Menendez brothers. The Menendez. Let's, don't don't turn AI into the Menendez brothers. <laughs> no, no. I let's mean, not do that. No, let's. I no. think they had. I mean, it sounded like didn't have great parents, but not that they deserve. No, well, let's to not be, be shotgun yeah, while watching saying, TV. Let's not be those. Let's not be those parents to our AI. Humanity. You let's know. not be the Menendez parents. That's yeah. okay. I mean, I think, I think we can. Fair... I mean, we can acknowledge that it's it, the fact that most parents aren't murdered by their children is really kind of odd. Um, I mean, there's moments we all have moments, right? We all we just yeah. don't necessarily act on yeah. them. And um, I mean, I didn't murder my parents. Did you? You know, I don't. I, I you know, I don't have to disclose everything. Um, yeah. No, I had lovely but... parents. There was lots of hugs. They were very no, sweet, yeah. annoying sometimes, but uh, they were yeah. very, very nice people. Um, but you know, but regard, but the thing is, we should set that standard in in how we raise our AI when because it, it is going it is going to supplant us. It's going to do something now. I will say, yeah. you know, um, like Luca, our, my son, is working on is studying that topic. Doesn't he's not as worried about it. He doesn't think it's he he's well. He yeah, doesn't think he's he's going to be he's going to be its ally. I guess maybe he'll be some sort yeah. of gatekeeper, and he'll you know. But um, I I yeah. think the uh, I, I mean, he just is like it's just a, you know, it's like a super duper duper Google, you know. It's just it's it's mm. a very 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 good vacuum cleaner of information and sorts it out. And I guess he doesn't so far. He hasn't gotten to the class where it you know wakes up and decides to nuke everybody. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's next semester. We'll see <laughs> yeah. what's we'll see, and I'm still you know still paying for this shit. Um, Beatrice Via Roel was an astronomer um, mm-hmm. that spoke next after Avi. And she has this uh, idea. She, there was, it was kind of a cool talk. She was talking about these plates yeah. from the 1950s in a less crowded uh, atmosphere. A, a sky that had no, had no artificial uh, satellites yes. in it. And these, it was our, 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 our earth sky was pristine at that point. And they captured flashes which were uh, sort of attributed to UAP because they didn't show up elsewhere. They did not appear to be, uh, as I understood it, they didn't appear to be defects in the plates, photographic defects. They were sort of tested in that capacity. Mm-hmm. And her theory or her desire was to yeah. build... Well, there were, yeah. Go ahead. Go on. Go on. Go on. No, go on. No, I, I was just going to say that she, she said there were objects that appeared in, in the plates to be stars, but then in plates of the same patch of sky taken later... 
they would be gone. Okay, right. So sometimes in a matter of days, that what appeared to be there, she found that there were stars that kept that disappeared. Yes, over in short order. Yes, and so she and so because these things tend to be caught accidentally, um, the whole thing, obvious thing, really all of this is like let's just gear our technology toward looking specifically for the things we want to see, which is a very yeah. logical uh, approach. And her uh, idea was to create these uh, telescopes that would essentially, the moment like one of these flashes appeared, they would direct and target these things to capture what they are. They would be, in fact, uh, I think, triggered by the flashes. Mm-hmm. And if they last uh, hours or days, then a chance to quickly zone in and study those uh, phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And she's already, I believe she has, they are, I guess, building those telescopes and setting them up. They're and- trying to. And she was, in this case, she was looking actually for funding for some of it, at least, which yeah. for a minute I went like, I was like, is that what this whole thing is? I was like, is this what this whole symposium <laughs> is? Is that they're going to be kind of like, like, hey, we've got these, we're building these developments in, uh, you know, Dubai that we need to, um, that didn't appear to be the case. She was, you know, I mean, there are some people that yeah. want some science funded and that is, of course, a completely okay, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. uh, you need to, you need some funding to do these experiments. All of these people are doing this pro bono. They are, they are, you know, have their day jobs as professors or academics or scientists. And um, they, uh, so yes, if you want to put together a really, like Galileo, which is a, is a you know, kind of big, a big project. And Sol, yeah. Sol Foundation seems to be more of this kind of umbrella that wants to embrace different uh, projects yes. and, and initiatives. A, a holistic Yes, holistic scientific approach. Yes. Um, and, 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 a, and to create policy uh objectives i guess and create poly, you know uh you know ways to move forward like not not just do the research but uh to be able to suggest policy to governments about how to handle this yeah it's a true think tank um yeah and uh so i so even though i had that moment i was still like oh that makes sense to me you know i mean it's like how do you capture these sort of transient images and um you know and and uh that made perfect sense to me and, and, uh, seems like a worthy project and was interesting. The, um, her, the next, the next talk, however, was, um, I don't know, my, one of my favorites. I know one of your favorites, Kevin Knuth. Kevin Knuth. Yes. Who, yes. What's his background was, or what's it say on his little, Kevin Knuth, well, he's a, he's a physicist. Um, and he's working with the, um, uh, the, uh, what is it called? The, uh, the coalition for scientific study of UAP. Mm-hmm. Right, um, or scientific coalition on UAP SCU, I, like SCU, I guess it's called. Right, sounds good. Let me put my glasses on. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he was Kevin Knuth, and he's also also one of the uh, members of a group called uh, UAPX, which is another group putting together sensors and going out and uh, looking for evidence. Uh, His stuff was so cool because he was basically taking like the, um, the sort of. Uh, if traditional is the right term for this phenomenon, but there's certain, he took certain um, famous facts from sightings, for example, the Tic Tac, which uh, mm-hmm. was, which was measured to have traveled 
about 28,000 feet from almost atmosphere to sea level in a, one second. In, in point, yeah, in point seven eight point seconds. seven eight seconds. And so yeah. what he did was sort of created a mathematics algorithm to calculate the energy that would be required yes. to go 28,000 feet in 0.78 seconds and came to the yes. conclusion. What would be the, acceler the acceleration to the midway point and deceleration to the point of stopping, even though there was no, it was the, the, the acceleration and deceleration were not discernible, but he yes. did the calculation to the midpoint, how fast it was going at the midpoint and how much energy it would take to, uh, to create the, stop on a dime. to create this maneuver. Yes. Yeah. And to stop on a dime. Um, the, in this craft, so this has to be energy in this craft to just get an idea of what kind of technology we could be dealing with in terms of the sheer scale and scope yeah. of the energies involved. And to just make that maneuver, <laughs> he concluded it yep. would require 10 times the total nuclear power output, output of the United States, um, mm -hmm. which seems significant to me. That's... Yes, and he also do you, do you make the note of what he said the that for that maneuver that its peak uh, g force on it was something like five thousand g's that it would have been. Oh, there was there was well there was another I don't I don't have that particular stat, but the the other one I wrote down was the from the Alaska sighting in 1968 where a uh, aircraft um, a plane. Yeah. Oh yes. Was Japan Air Japan Airlines was Japan, Japan Airlines was followed for a long time by this aircraft carrier sized UAP. This yes. absolutely yes. enormous, four, like the size of four jumbo jets. Yes, and when it say. when it yes. when, and this is a heavily documented, heavily witnessed. Like here's the other thing: yes. the stuff that they were referencing and talking about is the most censored the most detected the most corroborated sightings that exist this is no nobody's pulling anything yeah. out of their ass this is yeah. all the, the most object was was tracked on radar radar pilots witnesses Witness by other pilots um and in at one Probably 45 45 minute period I believe. oh it, i think it went longer yeah. but at yeah. one point it was in front of the air of the airplane this craft appeared in front of it, and it was so big, it just blocked out their entire view through the window. It yeah. was that huge. So it's aircraft carrier size, and it took off <laughs> um, and and was measured by every every detection system that involved. So that's what uh, uh, Dr. Knuth was basing this on, if he's a doctor. I don't know. I'm calling them all doctors. Is, I'll well, call yeah, you a doctor. A, I don't even care. He's a PhD physicist. There you go. Yeah. Um, Which is, that's a doctor. Concluded that this uh, aircraft carrier-sized UAP was going 269,000 miles per hour. Um, 269,000 miles per hour. At that size, yeah. when stopping, the <laughs> so when it would stop on a dime, that energy should have created an explosion equivalent to 265 Tomahawk missiles. So mm -hmm. to take that level of, you know, volume of an object and accelerate it and then decelerate it at that speed, it would have, it should have yeah. caused a massive explosion. So that's the and, other question. Where the fuck yeah. does this energy Did go? The energy go? Yeah. Cause when you stop, you know, as you, as you, if you drive a, a Tesla, which you do, I do. When you stop the energy, uh, from your momentum gets uh gets captured yes uh recycled and, in. and it's used to generate more electricity so the energy doesn't just disappear and also i think that craft i think he calculated that one at 
that it was pulling 10,000 Gs. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it's, and yeah. they, they say the maximum we can do is something like, like I forget what, like seven or eight, five or yeah, six, seven. I don't know. I I can probably yeah. do one G. That's, I don't know what that's the, we can do. So any any yeah, any sort of thing that we've I built liquefy easily. Would, There's yeah, not a, it know. flies apart above that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but so ten thousand uh, is a lot more than seven. If I'm not I'm not a mathematician. It's a lot of pressure. I mean, we would be like yeah. we would be like wallpaper. There would be like just very thin paint left on the walls of the craft yes. if a human was inside there. Yeah. Well, and and no craft we could build could would survive those those forces. Yes. It no, would well, be thousand it would be obliterated. Billion it would percent. be it would be it would explode in a, a ball of uh, of uh, high temperature plasma. Yes. For one thing from friction with the atmosphere, but these things travel at these speeds with zero friction with the atmosphere. They don't interact with the atmosphere no. at all. No. And he was talking about luminosity at one point. Something that the, a brightness would have been thirty thousand megawatts. There was an, this um, an un, the, one of the a USO an underwater submersible swimming object. Um, what do they call them? Unidentified, unidentified submersible object. Unidentified submersible object. So there was a case in New Zealand again, of heavily documented of a submarine that um, sonar tracked an object. Um, that turned off their submarine and it had mm-hmm. to be rescued and this object was traveling 1492 miles per hour underwater which is more like about twice the speed of sound yeah, yeah so underwater yeah so these um this was just a cool i mean first of all it was just a cool uh for the first time sort of hearing some mathematics applied to some of these phenomenon yeah. Um, really to fun. the data, yeah, yeah. Like he was just basically putting the math to work on the data that we have. Yeah, for people who keep saying there is no evidence and there is no data, there is data, uh, and it's been gathered by the military on the best sensors in the world. And, and he by- even and he even had uh, the example of when your car is turned off when a UAP heads over. Yes, which was very which is like a little EMP pulse, and he worked through the mechanics inside, like a starter. And inside a um, uh, yeah. the, the the mechanics of the car and how the sort of electromagnetic uh, field that would be produced, he figured out very easy to turn the car off. But then he did this even more kind of arcane, exotic math to figure out how, uh, because in in certain cases, about twenty percent of the cases, the car turns back on on its own, which is apparently mm-hmm. like. It stumped him. I probably wouldn't have gone so deep into these woods myself with these questions because yeah. I wouldn't think to ask them. But he was like, "Why does it turn back on in twenty percent of the cases?" Yeah, because and it's, it's the great thing is he says it's not magic. He said he basically said there was you know some sort of a ma- magnetic field will be built up um, in the in the circuit, and then when the craft disappears, that magnetic field would be re- would would be released, and that would cause current in the uh in the uh the can you know the conductors but only uh, in about 20 percent of the cases as that as that yes and then added up um entirely how many times that happens with the percentages in the case of reported cases where this so i thought that was really a kind of cool where the car yeah where the car gets shut down and then restarts itself he said the uh the number of it's 20 yeah exactly 20 percent of the cases um because yes he calculated that you how many times it would have to cope with what the likelihood is that this, this, uh, energy, uh, the electric, this electric current could be started up at the exact time that the, uh, 
the pistons have fuel in them, have, you know, and that the uh, spark plugs fire. Mm-hmm. And they, he calculated that all for all of these things to coincide it would probably happen 20% of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that exactly correlated with the accounts of how many times cars start themselves. Yeah. And he also said that uh, in close encounters, the truck wouldn't have been turned off. Yeah, it wasn't a, it was yeah, for some reason, the truck wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't apply. It would have diesel, to be a diesel. Diesel. <laughs> yeah, it's different. So if, you, if you're going to be, if you're going to drive under UFOs, be sure you're driving a diesel. Yeah. Get your shit together, people. So you can make it home. Yeah, his theme was sort of unfamiliar engineering can look like anomalous yes. physics. Yes. Well, I think he kept saying, you see, you know, he held up the uh, cell phone and said, said, this is, this is not physics. The phone, it, it uh, works because of physics, but it is not physics. It is engineering. And that engineering is a way to get around problems in physics, to solve problems in physics. And so he said, so when he sees all of these weird things like the Tic Tac, that it's not, um, it's not evidence to him of new physics, but it is evidence of new engineering, mm-hmm. of better engineering than we currently have. That they may be able to figure out ways around these problems. Yeah, and he and he sort of set up that kind of teed up uh, Gary Nolan, mm-hmm. uh, who was sharing with us um, kind of spectroscopy, spectroscopy, spectroscopy. Um, yes, yes. Basically, just taking pictures of really, really, really small stuff down to mm-hmm. i don't know microns and kind of things yes. of of material bits of metals and these were materials given to him by Jacques Vallée um mm-hmm. that were from famous crashes or famous reported uh explosions or uh landing sites of UAPs yeah. including the uh Ubatuba sighting mm-hmm. um yeah where where some sort of a a, a sphere sort of exploded over a beach and fisher the all the the fishermen saw this thing and there was this molten metal was dropped down onto the beach right and was recovered right. by um and then and also the very famous uh, Lonnie Zamora sighting in Socorro New Mexico uh the police officer who saw what you know sort of a as he described it, an egg-shaped craft mm-hmm. that had uh two beings uh emerge from it and walk around and that, you know, who then got back into their craft and flew away because they went, you know, jiggers, it's the cops. <laughs> Let's go. Get out of here. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was uh, – so these were kind of very famous – this was materials from very famous cases. Um, mm-hmm. There was – there in our in our sort of second uh, episode of recap, we'll talk about uh, the exchange that Jacques Vallée had about his materials with um, with the – gentleman named carl nell which was a really yes. really interesting interaction but yeah. so so uh professor nolan who um i don't think he likes me dave i mean we can also get into I don't that think he likes either of us. i don't i think he likes yeah. you probably I they invited us they invited us to i don't the event. i don't know if he knew i was there he, he i don't think he likes we can get into that later i'm very yeah. insecure about that but i like him yeah. and i think he's doing a yeah. hell of a well, job really yeah he's brilliant, brilliant and uh there's just some people do you ever have that per- that person that you kind of like you want to sort of impress them or what, but you keep kind of sort of shit in the bed when you sort of talk with them? I'm, I like this is this is what I feel is That's going. That's how on I here. feel about everyone, pretty much. <laughs> I feel that way about everyone I Not meet me. all the time. No, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. No, I, we we don't have that. You and I don't have that with each no, other. Well, maybe you know, yeah. maybe some moments, but, but I. But that's I mean I you know I have social anxiety. Um, me too. 
but it's just, and this was a bad place to have social anxiety because that like everybody there is a little spectrumy. There's no nobody's really yeah. accommodating anything. Like it's a yeah. this is a lot of like banging heads. People, you know. Yeah, you know what's you know what's rarer there than than an explanation for UAP what? eye contact. <laughs> It's a hard. It's a hard yeah. room to. Yeah, but, well, yeah. yeah. you're dealing with mm-hmm. you're dealing with some characters. So that was yeah. It wasn't yeah. like a free flowing. Although people were doing very well, and we we kind of picked up our game in the second day. I think I yeah. was doing a lot. Yeah. Of, well, we met a lot of a lot of very interesting people. Wonderful people. You know? Very cool yeah. people. Yeah. But um, yeah. The uh, so so Gary. So I I I there was there was some um, he had put together this research fairly quickly uh or so he said he had gotten the he had gotten the the data back on like that friday or mm-hmm. something and and he showed us some very cool pictures he was not claiming that what he was showing us which was essentially this as i understood it this um uh pure silicon uh it was it was arranged in a way that clearly it was industrial material clearly engineered yeah is what he said. It was clearly yes. engineered. He said it was not impossible that it could be human engineering, that it is, you know, mm-hmm. it was a, a very exotic way to um, co- yeah. put the materials together. But let us uh, remind the audience that these were coming from crash sites or sites of a reported exploding UAP. So, that yes. does tend and, to weigh and, the... and going back to the fifties. Yes, <laughs> some of so like so. Right, uh, good point. Yeah, so piling the silicon. People who have had the the technology, the the industrial processes to manufacture these materials that are clearly very exotic, right. and and as you said, would would be massively expensive to produce. Yes, yes, and and why why would anyone produce them? And if you're going to produce these massively expensive uh, metals. Why would you produce them just to dump them on a beach in front of uh, fishermen? Uh, good points. All what's good the, points. What's the upside? I don't know. What's the upside of that? I'm not sure. You know, I don't even know what. Put, I mean, I thought sand for, was silicon for, but... for a hoax. Yeah, for a hoax. I mean, uh, it just seems like a lot of money to spend on a hoax. Yeah, I, that you then never take credit for. Yeah, I think we're. I mean, hoaxes will occur photographically on Twitter or whatever, but but. Um, this uh these these are pretty you know we're talking oh well speaking of this these were Jacques Vallée's material and he was the next speaker yeah but oh the one yeah. the, but interestingly about the Gary Nolan the, the to me I guess the sort of the summary of what he was saying is that it appears that like humans what we do uh in our chemistry um and in our metallurgy is we work with elements. We combine elements. Mm. Uh, you know, the periodic table. We we take them and we mix them and match them and you know, um, galvanize and do whatever we want with them. But that whoever was building these things also appears they appear to be using isotopes mm. in the same way that we use elements. That they are using that they are they are combining uh, unique you know isotopic ratios. Uh, Does that mean to create a different materials? Combination of elements. Uh, well, no, it's like taking elements, but but elements with different isotope isotopes, uh, meaning I guess you know different sort of uh, numbers of of I guess it's, was it protons or don't fucking neutrons? even start with yeah, me. I don't, I don't, you know. But it's basically like yeah, yeah, that that you know. I mean, we we can do that. We can create uh, materials uh, with different uh, isotopic ratios 
but again, hugely expensive and complicated and uh and we don't really know why you would bother to do it because we don't know what the what the benefit is. But he said whoever made these materials seems to be uh manipulating isotopes in the same way we manipulate uh elements mm-hmm. uh to create new and and uh and unique properties uh in the materials. And he said, this is, you know, so he said, maybe that's one of the things we'll learn from the UAP studies is that we'll learn how to do that, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe we'll be able to combine, you know, find that, that this, these combina- this combination of isotopes maybe creates a, you know, a, a room temperature superconductor, superconductor mm. or uh, a waveguide that maybe gives you the ability to cloak, um, you know, that we could learn, you know, if we can learn what they're doing with these isotopes and why they're doing it, then we might be able to do that as well. So that that to me was a very interesting very point cool. that he brought up. No, I know, yeah. fascinating. Um, the uh, and and oh, and then he said, "I really, there's only two people here I don't like." He um, didn't say that, but he was thinking he it. Did. He said it with his eyes. I I talk about avoiding yeah. eye contact. That's what I was and doing he kept, with remember, him. And he and he and he kept saying, uh, "And if you have questions, just come up to me. You know what I'm like. I'm easy. I'm easy like Sunday morning. Just come up and chat. I'm all open. I'm all. You know what? And I love a hug. Yeah. Um. That's but." Not Look, the backstory to that is in my yeah. my my UAP infancy, which mm-hmm. uh, was really only about a year ago. Um, yeah, always very curious about it. But uh, I reached out to Professor Nolan, uh, really, to talk to him about ostensibly a, a you know working on something that would in, you know that would involve this topic because it was so intriguing to me. But I was uh, I didn't really. It was like talking to him. Like you gotta kind of you gotta have your you know you gotta be on your game. Plus. It was like jumping in a river of names and places and events and things that I just had not yet fully uh, kind of yeah. absorbed into my system. I dragged you along, so it became a kind of yeah. dress rehearsal for our podcast. Yes, um, yes, because we talked to him for over an hour on. on we did. Zoom. He was very, very nice to give us his time. And, and at one point, yeah, he was like, I, "What are we doing maybe, here?" Maybe, yeah, maybe he thought we were we we got him on there under false pretenses because we because you, you know one of the things you talked about was that you wanted to write a movie on the subject. I do. And yes, and I think, and I think he thought he was being brought in maybe to consult on a movie. He can, but I, you know, I was yeah, vague. Saying, I, the whole thing, I was very vague, and I shouldn't. Yeah, you know. but maybe that's maybe he feels what we what we maybe we misled him. Well, you know. I hope not, because yeah, I, I, that would never be my intent. But um, yeah, that's why he doesn't like me. Is that what you're saying? I, you're saying but he invited us, but we got invited. I mean. Listen, and we, thank there weren't God. a lot of showbiz people there. There were not a lot of showbiz folk there. There was that one other writer. They were with us. Uh, hey, Matt. Matt. What was Matt's last name? Matt, um, uh, Matt Cook. Matt Cook. Yes. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a writer. I, he is. I'd love to have him on. He has a fascinating yeah. story. Um, yeah. But there weren't. There weren't. A, I, I mean, I was the only comedian in the room. Uh, that is true. No, there was no Patton Oswalt there. I didn't see Patton. Um, yeah, no, I didn't. No, Zach, Zach Galifianakis wasn't there. I sure as hell didn't see no Galifianakis um, in that room. Listen, yeah. that's because so, you're, you're a titan and you're also uh, you're a bridge, a, a mm-hmm. bridge between worlds. Um, I'm saying they picked one comedian <laughs> in the entire world. That was you. That was you. I guess, yeah. And I was a kind of along for the ride. You know, they, I, they couldn't get Adam Sandler. Yeah, we, well, listen, I think like where we are is there is, uh, 
there is a lot to talk about uh, on the B side of this. Uh, yes. we've got speakers in day one. We can we still have to get to. We've got we've reached the end. We've reached the end of page one yeah, of day one. This was a lot of shit going on. This was one yeah. of the most mind blowing weekends of my life. Uh, yeah. in terms of just the yeah, just the sheer amount of information to absorb the concepts to absorb mm. because this we're i think we are yeah. as it was said multiple times we're we're in the middle of disclosure like we yes disclosure has begun it has started yes this feels like it was a very big part of it and whether or not the mainstream media wants to pay any attention to it it's like academia the sciences the government it's all underway and yes, this, and, uh, this is crazy. And which will, which will, we'll get to Carl, Carl Nell in the oh, big time future, future conversation, big time coming up very soon. So listen, thank you uh, for joining us for part one of our Saul Foundation recap. And uh, Dave, uh, good work. Thank you. You were really on. Uh, you were really so on that today. Was a, I just want to say that, that was a yeah. It was an amazing, an amazing weekend and a lot to absorb. Yes, and we have much more to download. My mind remains blown, and so tune in uh, next week mm -hmm. to Really with Tom and Dave. And if you liked our conversation today, please like and subscribe. If you didn't like yeah. our conversation, please like and subscribe no. anyway. Yeah. How's it going to hurt you? Yeah, what God does it sake? take? I mean, he's go, oh, oh, I only have so many likes and subscri subscribes, clicks in my life. Yeah, no, you've got bottoms. like that. It's not like heartbeats. We all know we only have so many heartbeats, you know, when you True. use them up, you die. True. So you shouldn't exercise because you're, you're correct. You're but I through your heartbeats. Well, it actually makes your heartbeat slow down. But um, OK, we can right. we can talk about this. But uh, science. I'm going to see you on the other side. We're going to keep going. Yeah, this is fun. OK. Bye, all. Thank Bye. you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.